0: it's time it is time it is time welcome back to the ikp first episode of december (laughs) we're almost getting out of 2020 how's everybody doing out there i got an interesting we got an interesting episode today an interesting episode today um the 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 the, rate we got so it's a lot to it's a lot to break down It was a big-time weekend in sports, a quite hilarious weekend in sports. I know everybody was paying attention to the boxing match, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., but then we had Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. (laughs) We all know. (laughs) We all know how that ended. (laughs) We know how we, we we all know how that ended. Um I must say it, it, you know if you were looking forward to a boxing match, that that's probably not what you got. That's probably not what you saw. But if you were looking for pure entertainment and just it just you want to you you want to just see a mockery <laughs> First, watch the fight. Watch the or white watch, watch Jake Paul knock out Nate Robinson. <laughs> and then, you know, well, Twitter, Twitter that night was going crazy. Uh <laughs> after the Nate Robinson fight. But like I mentioned, we got a lot to get into. So we had that that we had that fiasco <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, that was that was pretty good, too. Uh, that was pretty entertaining, you know, <laughs> for those purposes. Uh, and then now, you know, today, it's Wednesday. Today, we finally get to see the Stillers and the Ravens play. We finally get the Stillers and the Ravens to play. <laughs> um, we've been waiting almost a week. Almost a week for this game. This game was supposed to be played on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, originally, due to COVID. Um, it got pushed back to Sunday. And then and they didn't play on Sunday due to COVID. Then it got pushed back to Tuesday. Didn't play on Tuesday due to COVID. now it's Wednesday and we are here. But um, I'm not going to even talk about I'm not going to start with that. I'm not even gonna. Rest- I'm not even gonna start with that. Um, <laughs> so let's start for the. Let's start with the NBA Christmas Day schedule. And I have been a. I- I- I've been on this topic, um, for a while now, but I have been a long avid supporter of the NBA starting its regular season, in- on Christmas Day. You give the consumers the coming out party to your season. It's the grand opening to the NBA season. And usually on normal years, so like, you know, exclude this COVID year because COVID has been, COVID-19 in 2020 has been crazy. But exclude this COVID year. On a regular year, the NBA usually starts its regular season around mid-October to late-October. It starts mid to late-October. That's when the regular season usually starts for the NBA. And I have long questioned that. I have long questioned that. And by the way, these Christmas Day games are great. I like them. They're, 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 it's a great slate of games. That's not my problem. But I, I looking at... Because think about it like this. I'm a, I, I, I'm a sports podcaster. I like sports. I like the NBA. I watch the NBA from start to finish. I I start watching it in October, and it usually ends in June. I usually end it <laughs> with the NBA finals. And this is what I do. But a casual fan, a casual NBA fan... They usually don't, they usually don't start watching the NBA until Christmas Day. You know why? Because the casual fan of the NBA they're watching NFL football, they're watching college football they're finishing up MLB the MLB postseason in October that's what that's what the casual fans are doing in October and November. They're watching NFL football. NFL is king. NFL reign the NFL reigns supreme. So they're gonna get their, they're gonna get their ratings. College football, they're gonna get their ratings. And then in October, you all know, MLB postseason, World Series, all that good stuff. That's what people are watching. That's what, that's what most sports fans are watching. But myself, and you know. I I I I like the NBA. I love the NBA. And I watch it from start to finish. Plus, like I said, it's what I do. I watch it from start to finish. But I really truly think the NBA, once they get once we get this COVID thing in hand, once we get this COVID thing in check, COVID nineteen, we should the NBA should seriously legit like seriously. The NBA season should start on December twenty fifth. And I literally, and I literally, I literally wrote a paper. I wrote my final paper, actually, on this exact topic. Well, not exactly, but it was very close. And it's about the NBA ratings. And NBA ratings have been down the last few years. Now, there's several reasons why NBA ratings are down. There's seven, there's several answers, Um. And I'm not gonna. I I that would. It would probably take me a whole podcast to eat. Like to just lay out everything, and I don't want to do that. But one of the main, I think one of the main issues as to why NBA ratings are down the last couple years, the last few years, it's because, It's the simple fact. Nobody's watching in October, November. People don't start watching until December and January and February because by that time, uh, you know NFL seasons, you know NFL playoffs is still going on, but the the Super Bowl is in February. The Super Bowl is over, so people start to they they start to shift their focus more towards the NBA. And usually, the NBA on Christmas Day, they give us five great slate. They gave us they give us five great slate of games. They give us five great slate of games. And that's usually what the NBA gives us and that's that's usually their coming out party for a lot of their viewers. Not for myself because I, I you know like once again I, I, I watch in October. I watch when it starts. But usually that is the grand that is the grand opening that is the premiere of most fans. They watch these five games on Christmas Day. Simple as that. They do. They do. And I, I and for the, for the love of me. And I know if you would, and I understand the ramifications of if the NBA starts the season in December, I understand the ramifications. Because if they started later, obviously it wouldn't end in June. But, that goes to my point as well. This goes to another point of mine that I make. The NBA needs to promote more urgency. A 82 regular season game, I think is too long. If, if if ratings are such a problem, you know, I, you, you, have to, you have to promote a sense of urgency. This is another reason why the NFL is king. They have a sense of urgency. All 16 games matter. All of those division games matter. The NBA, we don't even talk about NBA divisions. I was talking to a friend a couple days, uh, probably a week ago. I was talking to a friend a week ago. And we we were literally, we found ourselves talking about NBA divisions. But they're worthless. Because they don't mean nothing. 82 game regular season. 82 game regular season. It doesn't mean nothing. And Some, the regular season, like a lot of the, a lot of the regular season games, not, they're not that meaningful. So yeah, start the season in December. This is just my plan. Start the season, start the season, December, shorten the regular season. Maybe not, maybe, you, you know, eight, it's 82 games. Maybe you can go 70 games, 70 games, 68 games. You know, you finish up around, you finish up the regular season around April, well, maybe maybe April, May, and then you have your playoffs. And now the playoffs would go further into the summer, but sometimes more is less. Yes, it'd be hard to attract viewers in in late June going into July, but sometimes more is less. Sometimes more is less. So I think, and, and that's a whole bunch of that. Is this in like from that, from June to July and so forth? There's a bunch of open real estate. The NFL is not happening. College football is not happening. Baseball is in the dog days of their season. It's not. A, it's not a lot of. It's not a lot of sports occupying June and July. That's the NBA. That's what the NBA should take full advantage of. And just, you know, if you don't, and if you don't know the the games, the NBA Christmas Day schedule, you got the Pelicans at Miami at twelve uh, um, at twelve noon. You have the Warriors at the Bucks two thirty. That's the two thirty game. Then at the five with the five o'clock game, you have the Nets at the Celtics. That should be really good. Then the prime time game, eight o'clock, the Mavericks versus the Lakers. That should be pretty good. And then the, la- the late game, the last game, the Clippers at the Nuggets. So we, it's a great slate of games. You get a little bit of everything. You get the young stars with Zion and Luka. You get the, you know, of course, LeBron. You get KD, get Steph. You get the Celtics, of course. Everybody loves them. You know, the Celtics, you know. Bucks, Giannis. You get a, you get a little you get a little bit of everything. The younger team, the young dominant teams like the Bucks and the Nuggets and the Heat, you get a little bit of everything. And this this should be the grand opening for the NBA season every year. This is this should be the way how the NBA starts its season every single year. This is the way. This is the way. Cause look at the look at. The Look at the prime time games because the two the two games that's gonna get the most attention. I mean, all of these games I'm gonna watch, and all of these games I like. I like all these games. I I, I like all these games. But the the two games that's gonna get the most attention is the Nets at the Celtics, five o'clock, and then the prime time game that's gonna get that's gonna attract the most viewers and the and the most ratings that's gonna pull the most numbers. The Mavericks and the Lakers. You get Luca and LeBron. LeBron has been the face of the league for the last 15 to 17 years. And Luca is the new, is the new sheriff in town. Averaged 39 and 10 last year. I I I, I, I told you guys, I already predicted. I think Luka Doncic is going to win MVP this year. So you got. The you got the king, King James versus Luca Dantich, and I like it. One of the future faces of the league. This is how the NBA should start their season every single year, because you give us because the NBA they do a hell of a job. The NBA does a hell of a job at giving us five marquee matchups, or at least five. Interesting matchups. And then you got Kyrie going back to Boston with KD. That should be really interesting. But those two games are going to pull the most ratings. The Lakers game is going to pull the most ratings. But this is how the NBA should start their season every single year. This should be their grand opening. This should be their premiere. This should be their premiere. And, and I literally just wrote a paper on it for my final. It's pretty good, by the way. It's pretty good. But let's shift gears to the Kansas City Chiefs. And speaking of basketball, do you know what team reminds me of the Kansas City Chiefs in basketball? Or, or at least they used to. They were so dominant. We kind of, some of us kind of hate them. Some of us kind of love them. They got a huge fan base. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what team reminds me of the Kansas City. What, 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 I'm going to tell you what basketball team the Kansas City Chiefs remind me of. You probably already heard it, but I'm going to tell you. Hey, y'all, what do you mean? Okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football, it can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there, rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale, the 47 brand. So, watching, you know, Watching that Kansas City Chiefs game versus the Buccaneers on Sunday, that was uh, that was the biggest game of the weekend. That was the that was the biggest game of the weekend. We had Mahomes and Brady. We had the build up, you know, so forth, so forth. And it was it was pretty good. It was a pretty good game. At first, it looked like it was about to get out of hand. Uh, the Chiefs had went up seventeen nothing. Tyreek Hill had um I don't know the best first quarter I've ever seen a wide receiver have <laughs> um <laughs> he had 200 yards in the fr- in the first quarter with two touchdowns um <laughs> he was in, in in you know Tampa Bay I don't know what they were thinking with not having no with not giving Carrington Davis no safety help but Tyreek Hill I mean, just annihilated the Buccaneers secondary in the first quarter. Um, and then if it wasn't for a fumble in the red zone um, by Kansas City, that game could have been easily 24-0 or 20-0. Now, it was much closer than that. Um, the final score was 27-24, to I think. And, um, th- you know, everybody, I'm not going to talk about Kansas City, you know, letting Tampa Bay hang around. Because I'm, I'm going to talk about Tampa Bay a little bit later. But you know the team, like I said, the team that reminds me of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I've been said this. <laughs> I said, so, and get this. I said this last year. I said this last year throughout the playoffs. I said this Kansas City Chiefs team, the, the Chiefs, they remind me of, the golden state warriors and i know they're tough to guard i'm not talking about that aspect because yes the the kansas city and their weapons are very tough to defend and so was golden state with kevin durant but it is the quick momentum switch that they have that both teams have and in the postseason last year i can remember um, remember when the Texans had built this big lead, I think it was 24 to seven. I think the Texans had like a 24 to seven lead and I, I, I the, the chief scored like the next 40 points. It was insane. It was insane. And that was that. And with, you know, the warriors with Kevin Durant, that was what they were doing. They were, they were scoring in bunches like it was nothing. They could be down 10 points. The next thing you look up, they're up by 25. That's what Kansas City is. And right now, <laughs> I mean, it was just so exciting to watch. I mean, watching Mahomes, watching this offense, watching these weapons Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, who I think is the best tight end in, the fo- in football. Um, look at, look, you know, just looking at all the weapons that they have around them Le'Veon Bell and then Andy Reid, who's a great offensive mind. It reminds me of the Warriors. And remember, those years when the Warriors with Kevin Durant, they were the, they were the best third quarter team. The Warriors were the best third quarter team because coming out of halftime, they'll hit you with the Golden State Avalanche. It would it would literally hit you like an avalanche because they would come so quick. They would shoot the ball so lights out, so deep, so efficiently, so efficiently and effortless, and by the third quarter, you were done. They had blitzed you, and you were done. Bye-bye pack your bags, warm up the bus. They would hit you with the third quarter avalanche. They would hit you with the third quarter avalanche. And throughout those years with Kevin Durant, especially with, even without Kevin Durant, but especially with Kevin Durant, because that's when they became practically unstoppable. It literally, injuries held the Warriors back from three-peating. Literally. That's what, that's the only reason why the Warriors did not three p due to injuries. So when they had Kevin Durant, they were the best third quarter team, and they come out of halftime, and they would just put the beating on you. They would shoot it from everywhere. They would they would turn up. They would turn up their defense. It would come at you like an avalanche. The third quarter avalanche in, in in Kansas City with the deep threats that they have, with Mahomes and his gifts and his talent and his arm, and the different arm angles that he can throw from, it's practically unstoppable. And in order to beat Kansas City, you got to score some points. You got to score some points. I know Pittsburgh has a great defense. I know you know some teams out here have great defense. You're going to have to score some points versus this Chiefs team. And that is who they remind me of. They remind me of the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter where they can score in bunches because the Warriors will come at you like an avalanche. They would come at you like a tornado, and it would be a wrap. It was over, warm up the bus, go home, bye-bye, and then – Tampa Bay, I mean, against Kansas. Against Tampa Bay, Kansas City could have put them away. Um, the game was closer than what I thought it would be. But, did I, I mean, just for me, for, for my sake, from my perspective, my opinion, watching that game, I never thought the Buccaneers were winning. Even when it got close, even when the game got closer, I never thought the Buccaneers were going to do what it took or, you know, Half would it take to win the game? I knew they wasn't going to win the game. They made too many mistakes, too many penalties, too many turnovers. They weren't going to win that game. No matter how close it got, I never had doubt. I never doubted that Kansas City would lose that game. I never doubted. Never. And they're, they're practically unstoppable offensively. And you know I, I I've heard I heard the I heard the Warriors um analogies earlier this week and it's funny because I've been I I, I bung up the Warriors analogy back in the playoffs last year I bung it up I think I bung it up right before the, I think I bung it up right after the Super Bowl where they just come at you like an avalanche it hits you and it, it hits you and it hits you quick that's what Kansas City does right now to a lot of teams, and that's what the Warriors did a lot with KD. They would hit you with a, with a with a barrage of threes, fast break points, they would turn it up on defense, it would be over. It would be a wrap. And after that performance, I mean, I, I, I just don't know how you can't say Kansas City's the best team, but Nevertheless, let's move on. Um, I, I got, a, I got, a, I got an interesting topic here, and it's maybe something. This could probably be useful to some teams and their quarterbacks, or you know, some teams, because I'm looking at Jared Goff in the Rams and Sean McVay. We all know, we all look, we all can acknowledge Sean McVay is a great coach. We all could acknowledge that. He's a he's a really he's one of the young he's one of the best young coaches in the league. Sean McVay is. But now his defense is really good. The Rams have one of the best defenses in the league. Um I think statistically it's top two. Statistically, it's really good. They're really good defense, physical defense can really get to the quarterback. They got some young players, emerging players in the secondary. They have they arguably actually the Rams arguably have the best defensive player not not arguably. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. And then the Rams arguably have the best DB in football in Jalen Ramsey. So, their defense is pretty good. Nice defense. And Sean McVay is one of the better young coaches in the league. He's he's had a lot of success in L, with the Rams. He's had he's gotten to the Super Bowl. He's you know he's made a Super Bowl run. hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's gotten there. He you know he we don't have no we don't really have no questions about Sean McVay and the Rams defense. What is holding the Rams back from being a legit Super Bowl contender? Because I was having this discussion with a friend of mine. and I was and I was like, if 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 Jared Goff, if Jared Goff can put together a similar run like Joe Flacco did, what year was that? Twenty thirteen, was that twenty thirteen when Joe Flacco put together that great playoff run? He had beat, I think he beat uh, Peyton Manning. In the Broncos at Mount High, he beat uh, Brady in in the Patriots at at Foxborough, and then he won the Super Bowl ultimately. If if Jared Goff is able, and he don't have to be heroic, Jared Goff don't have to be the he don't have to be the savior. But if Jared Goff can put together in the playoffs, if he can put together some strong outings where he doesn't turn the football over, he doesn't lose the game for the Rams. The Rams could the Rams could legit make a Super Bowl run. They can make another Super Bowl run. But this past weekend, the Rams lost to the 49ers and this is the Rams fourth I mean Kyle Shanahan. First of all, both of these young co- both of these young coaches are pretty good. Sean McVay Kyle Shanahan, great offensive minds, but for some reason, for some reason, Kyle Shanahan, I don't know what it is, but he just he he has the he has the head up on on Sean McVay, at least in head to head matches. He I mean this is this this is four straight wins for Kyle Shanahan versus Sean McVay. This is this is four straight wins. And this is without Jimmy Garoppolo. This was this this is without. I mean, remember, remember, the the Rams, the the 49ers beat the Rams twice this year. This was in in this past Sunday, the 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 49ers, they they had Debo Samuel. They had Richard Sherman. They got some guys, but they had Mostert. But the first game versus the Rams, they didn't have none of these guys. (laughs) They didn't have none of these guys. But Sean, but but the reason why the Rams lost the game, Jared Goff and his play, Jared Goff and his play, Jared Goff and his play, and I and I was I'm serious. I was having a conversation. I was like, maybe, just maybe, if Jared Goff is able to go throughout the playoffs, because the Rams they they they're still competing. In the division, they're still competing for the division crown, but the Seahawks have the easiest remaining schedule. The Seahawks will probably win out from now on, so the Rams will probably finish second in their division, maybe even third, depending on what they do versus Arizona. They have a big game versus Arizona this week, so that'll be that'll be the show all tell all. But the if I, but I'm saying, if the Rams can get to the playoffs, well, you know, we're assuming that they do. If Jared Goff can can Jared Goff put together a stretch similar to Joe Flacco's where he led his team to the Super Bowl, not saying win it, but but this with the way how the, Sean McVay is a great coach, the way how he coaches, the way how this defense is playing, this defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense. You have some nice, you have some nice receivers, tight ends. You Got Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. God, it's not like it's not like Jared Goff is playing with crap. He he has some nice pieces around him, and you have an offensive-minded coach, Sean McVay, who, 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 I mean, he's a great coach. He, he's a great play caller. He's a great play designer. Jared Goff, if he's able, to, if it, it like, can he play three games? Can he play three games where he does not cause the Rams the game? Can he do that? And now, my my ultimate point is this: I'm looking at we're looking at guys like Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, t- just in 2017. He led his team to a uh, 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 what 11 I think an 11 and 2 record, 11 and 1 record. He got hurt. If Carson Wentz would have if he would have stayed healthy, he would have won league MVP that year if he would have stayed healthy. But Carson Wentz had a breakout, had a great 7 2017 year. The Eagles eventually got to the Super Bowl and went to the Super Bowl behind Nick Foles. We all know the story. And now we look at the Rams in 2018 where they went out and acquired all these notable names. They went in. They they had a big-time run. They had a big-time playoff run. They got to the Super Bowl. And now both Philadelphia and the Rams. They end up happening to pay both of their quarterbacks. Philly played Carson Wentz. The Rams paid Jared Goff. And next year, Jared Goff will have the biggest cap hit in the league. He will have the biggest cap hit in the league next year. So this leads to me saying this when you look at guys like Josh Allen. When you look at guys like Baker Mayfield, what do those teams do with them? What do those teams do with them? Because just looking at it, just looking at it, okay, Philly right now, they're, they play in the worst division in NFL history. They play in the worst division in NFL history, and right now it's not looking too good for them. Doug is on the hot seat. Carson Wentz—it's a lot of pressure on him. But Philly—and that's a lot with that situation. That's not all Carson Wentz. I, I let's let's just settle that. It's not all Carson Wentz. Philly hasn't drafted receivers well. Philly hasn't drafted O line well. Oh well, Philly their O line always seems banged up. Actually, since that Super Bowl run that Philly made and they won the Super Bowl, since they won that Super Bowl. Philadelphia can you I mean Philadelphia every year they have had since then they have had some tremendous injuries. So that's not all Carson Wentz. But is just is this the this is just the fact of the situation. Carson Wentz is making a lot of money. The, Car, the, the Eagles put a lot, they've invested a lot of money into Carson Wentz. And now, you know, the Rams are in the same boat. When you look at Younger quarterbacks in the league, like Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, where I have alluded to. I've talked a lot about Baker Mayfield in his future. I've talked a lot about with the Browns, or you know, with the Browns are up against. Because you got to look at it. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, they got their teams. Well, Carson Wentz, he he put his team in the position to make a Super Bowl run with getting with locking up the number one seed, but. Jared Goff, he's gotten to the Super Bowl. Bowl. The Rams have paid him. But Goff is not living up to that money right now. He's not living up to that contract right now. And right now, he's sticking out like a sore thumb because the coaching is good, the defense is good, the weapons on offense is good. So there's no questioning that. All eyes are pointing at Jared Goff. And once again, you know, the Bills, the Bills look like they are in prime position to make the playoffs, win the AFC East in a first time in, like, forever. The Bills are going to win the AFC East. They're going to be in the playoffs. And the Browns right now, they're 8-3. As I predicted, they were going to make the playoffs. It looks like they are en route to making the playoffs. What, What? I mean... Do, do you pay Baker Mayfield? Do you pay Josh Allen? I mean, because I mean, I mean, if you look at Baker Mayfield's situation, which you guys, if you got if you if you're a regular listener of the IKP, you know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> and the Browns they go as far as Nick Chubb can take them, they go as far as that because. Baker is the quintessential example of game manager. Baker Mayfield right now is the prime example of game manager at this point. He is the prime example of that right now. If you ever wondered what a game manager look like, Baker Mayfield is that right now. He's literally he's lit i'm 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 ser- i'm so serious i look at the browns games so serious the browns literally ags baker mayfield just don't turn it over just manage the game and t- and give the ball to Nick Chubb that's literally the game plan that's literally the game plan every single weekend that's the game plan play run the football well sometimes we'll do some play and action here and play action here and there play good defense that's literally how the browns have won all year and that that's what I predicted so the dilemma that the Browns front office face is do you pay a quote on, do you pay a game manager do you pay a guy right now like Baker who he, he's not doing much I mean let's be honest He the 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 real the real the the real engine of this whole train is Nick Chubb. That that's the engine. That's that's the engine. He's the piece that ignites the engine. He is the engine of this train. And do you pay Baker Mayfield 30, 35 minutes? Do you pay him that? Hmm. Ah. 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 You pay him that. I don't know. I don't know. You don't I don't know if you pay him that. You don't pay again. You want to pay him that? That's the that's the dilemma that the Browns face. The Bills. I like Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has taken a couple steps forward. Um he's a great, he's a talented kid, big kid. I mean nothing by that. (laughs) But 6'5, big arm. But do you trust Josh Allen for the next 10 years? Do you trust Josh Allen for the foreseeable future? Do you trust Josh Allen for the long term? I don't know. I, I, that 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 is why the GMs get paid the big bucks. And that is the dilemma that the Bills and the Browns and some other teams out there, that is the dilemma that they face. Because both of their quarterbacks are going to make the playoffs this year. The Bills are probably going to finish 11-5 and 5 and win the AMC East. The Browns are going to probably finish 9-7, and 10-6, and, 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 and get to the playoffs as a wild card and so forth. But do you pay Baker Mayfield $30 million? Are you ready to say Josh Allen is our guy? He looks – and I like Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen a lot. I think he's super talented. Strong arm. I think you know mechanics can be a little wacky at times. Uh, sometimes his judgment, and you know he he has a he has a habit of throwing some interceptions that may cost you. But he's a talented kid. Baker, he's just a game manager now. I mean, he's the quintessential example of game manager. He's a game manager. That's that. Like literally, if you ever struggled to know what a game manager was, it is. Baker Mayfield. That Baker May, that's his name. That's that's his middle name now. Baker Game Manager Mayfield. Simple as that. (laughs) Simple as that. So Rams and Bills. Brown, I mean Rams and Bills. Browns and Bills. Do you want to go down the Jerry Golf route? Hmm? And mainly the Browns. I like I like once again. I like Josh. I think sometimes you know he can his judgment is a little cloudy, his judgment is a little cloudy at times. But for the most part, I like the talent that he is. You know you can hopefully you can you can get you can work some of that stuff out of him. But Baker, he's a game manager. Baker game manager Mayfield. That is his name. <laughs> that is his name. And also for the Rams, or for Jared Goff, don't lose the game literally don't lose the game and and i and actually this is how you know this is how you know sean mcveigh was a little fed up this is how you know sean McVay was a little fed up because sean McVay. i i i mean i kid you not sean McVay is it, it, his press game his post game interviews are good every single one they're good when 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 the when the rams win he 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 puts it on the players. He he shouts out the players and how well they played. That, that 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 that's the reason why they won. When the Rams win, he always shouts out the players. He talk about how the how, how great the players played and how they executed and so forth. When the Rams lose, Sean McVay is the first, he he's, he's always saying that that's that's a coaching that's a coaching problem. We got to do better at planning. We got to do better at adjusting. He also, when the Rams win, he puts on the players. When the Rams lose, he puts it on the coaches. He puts it on himself. But this particular post-game conference, and I don't have the video clip, but this, I'm going to tell you guys, this particular press game conference, post-game conference, he was, very, he was very critical of Jared. He was very critical of Jared Goff, and that's not a Sean McVay thing. Sean McVay is a player-friendly coach. And it seemed like he was quite fed up and that's what it, and that's what it is he's quite fed, he's fed up but let's talk i'm gonna move on to matt Patricia. and I know the lion fans are thanking god right now i'm a i'm a i'm a, i'm gonna I'm I'm shift i'm gonna shift gears to another coach, but he is the total opposite from Sean McVay. so it's just so funny how things work out because literally literally the po- the uh, the episode before thanksgiving i wanted to talk about matt patricia and his job security i kid you not i kid you not i kid you i kid you not the, the the episode before thanksgiving i wanted to talk about matt patricia But then, after Thanksgiving, uh, news came down. Matt Patricia was fired. Matt Patricia, head coach, of or former head coach of the Detroit Lions, was fired. And Bob Quinn, the GM who hired him, was fired as well. And that is absolutely the correct move. Matt Patricia, let me tell you guys something. And I know I, I know I, I know this. Matt Patricia, I'm sure Matt Patricia has some knowledge of defense. I know. I know he does. Cause he had he, he worked for he worked with under Belichick. I know. But Matt Patricia when he took over the Lions job. They were expecting him to turn around the defense. They were expecting, they, when the Detroit Lions hired him, they were expecting the defense to turn around. They were expecting that. And it, it, it never happened. It never happened. It never happened. Actually, this year so far, guess what? <laughs> guess what? The th- this year so far, Matt Patricia in his defense is ranked 31st in points. 31st in points. They're ranked 31st in points. <laughs> He was supposed to make the defense better. That's why they hired him, quote unquote. That's why they hired him. But if you don't know, prior to Matt Patricia taking the job, the previous coach of the Detroit Lions was Jim Caldwell. He was a black coach. Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell had a 36 and 28 record. Jim Caldwell had a 36-28 record as the Lions coach. (laughs) After after two back-to-back nine-and-seven seasons, he was there for four seasons. He was there for four seasons. But after two back-to-back nine-and-seven seasons, the Detroit Lions decided to fire him and go in a new direction. Okay, okay. They hired Matt Patricia because they want the defense to get better. Because at that time, the Lions were a heavy offensive team. You know, defense was defense wasn't the greatest, but they were still winning nine games. They were winning nine games under Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell was winning 56% of his games as the Lions coach. He also he also made two playoff appearances. And had an 11 and 5 season. And that 11 and 5 season was the first season that he took over. On the other hand, Matt Patricia, on the other hand, he went 13 and 29, 13, 29 and 1 as the Detroit Lions coach. He went 13, 29, and one. He had one tie. That's a 31 win percentage, zero playoff appearances. It's about damn time he got fired. <laughs> it's about damn time he got fired. He was there for three years only. Yeah, okay. And, 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 by, and by no means, and by no means do I do I I don't like people not ha- not being able to provide. For their families and so forth, but I'm sure Matt Patricia is going to be okay. But I'm not, I, I'm, and by by any means, I am not rooting for anybody losing their job. But this is the standard procedure as as a as an NFL coach. If you're not winning games, you have to go. Simple as that. You have to go. And and and, and, and this is just so I I know Lions fans all over Detroit are rejoicing. Because finally, they got saved from the pits of hell due to Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia got fired. They, they, I mean, they, they got saved from the pits of hell. I mean, Matt Patricia was, it, it was about time they fired him. He was brought in to make the defense better, and he failed to do so. He failed to do so. You want to hear something interesting? Matt Patricia was 0-3 on Thanksgiving games, and he was 2-13 versus NF- versus other NFC North opponents. So you're not winning division games. It's bad enough that the Lions are on Thanksgiving, but it's a, it's a tradition, so forth. The line, you're, you're not winning on Thanksgiving, and overall, you're just not winning games at all. And get this, Jim Caldwell, he was 3-1 on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Jim Caldwell was winning on Thanksgiving. So all of the things that Jim Caldwell was doing, Matt Patricia wasn't doing. Matt Patricia took over. He took over a 9-7 and seven team. And he finished off after his first season 6-10. and 10. Also, you want to hear something else interesting? You want to hear something else interesting too? Matt Patricia's best year No, hold up. Um, um, let me let me let me let me rephrase this. Stick with me guys. Stick with me. Stick with me. Please stick with me. Jim Caldwell's worst year as the Lions coach was 7 and 9. I'm about to put this in perspective. His worst year as the Lions coach was he his record was 7 and 9. Matt Patricia's best year as the Lions coach, was 6-10. and 10. I rest my case. I rest my case. Jim Caldwell's worst year was better than Matt Patricia's best year. <laughs> Lions fans, I know y'all are happy. I know y'all are happy. I know y'all are happy. I kid you not. That that just adds some context for you, and it's about time. It's about time that that he, you know, that we're starting to we're starting to really see and point out these trends. It's about time, and it's. I, I, this is no ill will towards Matt Patricia. This is not an attack on Matt Patricia. It's just, or or, or it's not an attack on him personally, but it's it is an attack on his coaching so far. His coaching career so far has been terrible. It's been terrible. And it granted the firing. Sorry, but it granted the firing. But Matt Patricia's best. Jim, I'm going to tell you guys again. Jim Caldwell's best year. I mean, his worst year. Jim Caldwell's worst year was better than Matt Patricia's best year. Jim Caldwell went seven and nine in his worst year. That was the worst record he had as the Lions coach. Met Patricia. His best record he's had was six and ten. That's pretty insane. That's pretty insane. And it's not, and it's not just like win-loss record. I know it, you know, I'm throwing out all these records, and you know, it's not just that. But it's two things for me. It's really. Two, it's, it, it's two things for me, really, with this Matt Patricia thing. First, you are supposed to be, Matt Patricia was supposed to be a defensive guru. He was supposed to fix up the defense. Instead, what is what has he done? You know what he's done? He's pissed off Quandre Diggs, traded Quandre Diggs away. He's pissed off Darius Slay, they got Darius Slay away. Um, they and lo and, 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 and Lord behold, they went out and overpaid for Trey Flowers. <laughs> That's what he's done. That's what he's done as far as acquisitions and major transactions defensively. That's what he's done. You know, traded away your best players in the secondary. And I know, I know he doesn't have any control of that. He's the coach, but it's the reason why Bob Quinn got fired too. Uh, It's a reason why Bob Quinn got fired, too, because you made those transactions. You you're you're the one that brought in Matt Patricia to replace Jim Caldwell after two back to back after two back to back nine and seven seasons. So, you know, it's a reason why Bob Quinn got fired, too. But Matt Patricia, you were supposed to be a defensive guru. You were supposed to improve the defense. He failed to do so. He failed to do so. I told you guys. So the Lions' defense got worse (laughs) when he took over. It got worse. He was supposed to better the defense. Nope, completely opposite. The defense got worse under Matt Patricia. How in the hell that happens? I don't know. I don't know. And then the other thing is, it's the way how the Lions are losing. I mean they you know some of these games they lost this year they have started out so hot so quick they built these leads and then you let these you let other teams come back in the game and beat you how how it, it, it it's not just the losing it's not just the losing it's not just the number and the win the win loss column but it's the way how you're losing. It's the way how you're manufacturing to lose these games, and it, it, it's just it's just pitiful. It, it's just straight up doggone pitiful the way how he was losing these games, because it shows a lack of it shows a lack of discipline. It, I mean, it, it, it was just it. it I, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it, I, that was just bad. That that the way how they lost games, they would let teams come back. They they would blow leads. You know, I know I know the Atlanta the Atlanta teams get a lot of flack for blowing leads, but Detroit, the Lions, they blow a lot of leads. They blow a lot of leads. So it's not just the losing, but it it absolutely irks my nerve when a coach is either an offensive mastermind or a defensive specialist and he's a pro and he's supposed to improve those aspects of a team and instead of improving and bettering those aspects in those units they get worse <laughs> they get worse like Matt Patricia you're a defensive mastermind supposedly you work under Bill Belichick and I'm gonna I'm talk about that too you worked under Bill Belichick why did the defense get worse under you you were supposed to upgrade the defense you were supposed to improve the defense instead nope it did not go that way it went totally opposite downhill near the pits of hell (laughs) oh boy oh boy okay and also with with um i'm gonna talk about bill belichick as well well as far as like his coaching tree uh, I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna talk about, and, and, and matter of fact, I'm gonna talk about right now. Belichick and his coaching tree. It just shows you, yes, Belichick is a great coach. Belichick is probably Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. But I don't know if Belichick is necessarily the best teacher. He may not be the best teacher. And I don't know the lack of success that comes out of the Belichick coaching tree. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's all Belichick. I don't know if it's Belichick not being a good teacher. Because when I, because I when I, what I mean by this is Belichick, he might be a football genius. I'm sure Belichick knows his football. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Belichick, he he Belichick has forgotten more football than I know so i'm not I'm not disputing that but Belichick may be a genius but his other coaches in his coaching tree his coaching tree the other coaches in his coaching tree just because they need to they need to understand just because you were next to a genius or just because you're under a genius doesn't make you a genius it doesn't make you a genius you're just under the genius, the genius, but I don't know if it's Belichick and his teaching or lack thereof. Well, I don't know. These guys just aren't good enough coaches. These guys try to, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if, um, if they try to adapt what Belichick does and bring on that same persona and players really don't accept that because they're like, the players are like, where, where are your credentials and I'd be definitely asking that from Matt Patricia. Where are your credentials for you to be acting so arrogant? I don't know what that is. And by the way, I like Brian Flores. I like Brian Flores. I think he may be the he may be the best coach to come out of out of Belichick's coaching tree. He might be the best coach to come out of his coaching tree. Cause right now it's looking it's looking pretty good, Miami. Right now he's now he's only two years in. But right now it's looking pretty good in Miami. You know, he 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 rebuilt the culture last year. Now they're contending for the for a playoff spot, a wild card spot. So it's it you know it's improving down in Miami and he's doing a good job. And I like Brian Flores. And and, and by the way, Mike, Mike Vrabel does not count. Mike Vrabel comes from the Mike Tomlin coaching tree. He just played under Belichick. He played for B- Belichick. But he doesn't come from the Belichick coaching tree. He comes from the Mike Tomlin coaching tree. So Mike Vrabel does not count. Mike Vrabel does not count. But I don't know. But I look at I look at a, I look at a guy like Andy Reid. Andy Reid's coaching tree has been pretty successful. Andy Reid's coaching tree has been pretty successful compared to Belichick's. It's pretty. It's it's been pretty successful compared to Belichick's. It's been pretty successful. So I don't know if that, I don't know if Belichick, you know, I don't know if it's his teaching methods. I don't know. Or I don't know if these coaches try to, I don't know if they try to pull too much from Belichick. I don't know. And not develop their own style. But that's something there. Belichick, Belichick's disciples do not do well. Um, when they take on these coaching jobs, They they historically don't do well. And we have another example of it right now, right here with Matt Patricia. And right now, before I even wrap this bad boy up, right now the Steelers are playing right now um, versus the Ravens. Like I said, and they're up twelve to seven, going, um, nearing the end of the third quarter. And this is what I mean. I like Pittsburgh a lot. I think Pittsburgh's a really good team. I think if anybody had the best shot at knocking off the Chiefs, I think it would be Pittsburgh. But please try to please, stop trying to convince me that the Steelers are the best team in football. Please. Please. Because with 29 seconds left in the third quarter, the Steelers... Are only up twelve to seven versus the Ravens, and I know it's a division game. I know, I I know the Ravens are still a pretty good football team, but for you to be the best team in football, twelve to seven, where you where you, where your rivals are compl- like damn near decimated from COVID, they're missing some key players due to COVID. Ah. Uh-huh. I don't know if I can call you the best team. I don't know if I can call you the best team. And that's why I continue to have Kansas City number one in my top ten list because I'm more sold on Kansas City. Kansas City, by you know, you can you can say Pittsburgh's undefeated. Kansas City, they're the defending champions. So, you know, that's all. That's all. But I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP been a pretty good one um we're, we're you know finals almost up for me uh, my first semester college and then um, we got the NBA season coming up soon a couple more weeks a couple more weeks gonna be um we're gonna be looking at some well what next actually next Friday that's where some um we get some preseason action. So we got some preseason action for the NBA. That's coming up. Uh, NBA, the season, the regular season is about to start. So we got, we got, we got quite a lot to look forward to. Um, I can't wait. But um, please stop trying to sell me on Pittsburgh being the best team in the league. They're really good. And I th- in, 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 in my opinion, I think they're the second best team in the league. They're not better than Kansas City. And you know, going into the fourth quarter, they're only up 12 to 7 versus a Baltimore team that's that's kind of decimated from COVID. Come on. I know, I know, I know, I know. Y'all gonna y'all gonna hate on it, but that's just the pure fact of it. It's the fact of the matter. But I'm gonna catch you guys later. I'm out, peace, deuces, adios, amigos. Always remember two choices, one decision, and I am out. Enjoy the rest of your week. Be safe. Gone.